How do you do? Mr. Carl Lindley feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Shaker Books on 23rd Avenue South in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> on today's app, we'll be talking about Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, written by Mary Shelley in Earth Year 1818. I am your host, Brent Aldrich, and with me as always via holographic projection. Uh, please help me welcome my co-host, Mr. John Love. Wow, I'm not used to applause. Hey, Brent. Hi, John. Yeah, I just press the old applause button, as we do. And with us, as always, a gaggle of Minnesotans. Woo! Is it... Okay, let's just get right to the point. Questions about Minnesota. Welcome um, to Ask a Minnesotan. Uh... He's your host, Brent Aldrich, and with him, as always, me and a gaggle of Minnesotans, and we're back. Is there, Are you Minnesotans? Is that how you pluralize that? I think so. Definitely. Minnesotans. Get this, oh, you got to put a little soul. twang on it. Minnesotans? That's sort of where <laughs> I was wanting to go with it. Well, hello, Minnesotans. Nope, that's wrong. Cheerio. All right, I was trying to do your accent. <laughs> You're nailing it. And that's been questions about Minnesota. <laughs> All right. For real? Is that it? Oh, I've got more for later. We'll, oh, okay. we'll re-enter that segment. I got you. I didn't know that was a recurring segment on, on the actual podcast. I've got so many questions about Minnesota. Great. Uh, okay. So, John, today, um, now that we've, uh, now that we've, we've uh, started to talk about Minnesota... Uh, as I, I think I'm getting the accent right now. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, I think we have, now I'm not going to, last week I made people um, prove to me that they were true Minis- Minnesotians. <laughs> uh, this week, I think I'll give you guys passes. 
can you um, please uh, introduce yourself, though? What's your name? My name is Blaine. Blaine. And? Aaron. Aaron. Uh, thank you for being here, both. Um, I think we're just going to get right into um, some more questions about Minnesota. Time for some more questions about Minnesota. Uh, so John and I crash landed uh, out on White Bear Lake in our pod uh, yeah, about a week ago, and so now we've had some time to explore. And I have a lot more questions about your fine state. Um, is there a place where you can stand with one foot in St. Paul and one foot in Minneapolis? There has to be. Is there? Is the river separated the whole time? No. 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 Uh oh, there is. There's a I'm contentious sure battle going on here. Down University, at some point, there's a line. I don't know exactly where it is, but. I want to put three of my legs on one side and four on the other. Disgusting. How many Minnesotan points is this worth? I know you said you're, you're giving them passes to like already allow them to be true Minnesotans. Mm-hmm. What, is there anything else that those passes are worth? Can you go to Chuck E. Cheese and get a two-for-one special or anything? Go to Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> is there one place where you can put one foot in Wisconsin and one foot in Minnesota? I don't think so because I think there's a river, but I've been proven wrong about this in the past. <laughs> What if you have really long legs? Or if you stand on a bridge that goes from Minnesota to Wisconsin. I bet you could. Now, are you born and raised in Minnesota? Absolutely not. Because you definitely have the, the Minnesota, When even when you say Minnesota, it seems like you're doing it right. A lot of people, uh, well, not a lot of people, but... How many I, people exactly? I've worked with two, and one of them, we called him Ufta, because... <laughs> He said it all the time, and he had a really strong Minnesotan accent. He'd be like, oof, die, whenever he messed up at work. It's a Minnesota thing, I think. Yeah. Like Swedish Minnesota. How do you spell that? U-F-O. Hyphen D-A. And that's been How Do You Spell Oofta? Everyone's favorite segment. And we're back. Okay, um... Let's see. Well, okay, just to confirm, just to follow up from last week, we learned about Minnesota applause. Can we have some Minnesota applause? There it is. Thank you. Uh, I asked a woman in the pod about it, and she said, yes, that is a thing. And she said that she feels really bad for, like, bands that come and play here because everyone in the audience, like, no matter how into the band they are, they just, like, politely sway. And so she's like, I feel so bad because... They have to think that they're just like, people hate them, but they're actually killing. What's the difference between politely and impolitely swaying? Oh, you'll know impolite swaying when you see it. Can you show me right now? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And that's been your visual segment on an audio podcast of the week. Okay, do you think that, um, do you think of Minnesota as part of the... Midwest. Yes. I think we asked that one last week, but we have new guests, so... I would say yes. Okay. Have you heard of this trying to rebrand it as the North? No. No. Failures of rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I haven't. Failures of rebranding. 
everyone's favorite segment brought to you by Corellan Sweet Tea, the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip. And we're back. Okay. Can. Mm. Okay. Can anyone tell me where. Do you have do you have vacant houses in the Twin Cities? Like I've kind of been looking for them. Like do you have vacancies because other parts of the Midwest definitely do, and I've honestly been looking for them here, and I can't. We're trying to move here. Is what he's saying. I haven't found them yet. Like vacant is in like they're falling apart because literally no one lives in there. Like yeah, no one can afford to move into the apartment. No, literally vacant. like um, yeah, like they know they're falling apart because nobody lives there. Do you have that? I don't know if I've looked. Minneapolis has one of the highest, like, over the past few years, rent increases. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's hard to find places to rent here, and it's getting more expensive. Mm -hmm. hmm. But I haven't seen any, like, abandoned places you could sneak into either. Mm -hmm. I haven't been looking. It sounds I like you've. I already have house. You're like a shady character. You sound like you've been trying to sneak into these abandoned houses, and you maybe know more than you're letting on. You need a Minnesota pass to get in. Oh well, uh, good thing we're handing them out here. Um. Well, I have. Um, I've just. I think we can transition a little bit. So we're talking about Frankenstein this week, and. Um, I will say I've never read the book before, so this was actually the first time through for me. And likewise, I can't say that I've ever watched like the um, the Boris Karloff films all the way through. Um, however, I feel like I have all this like knowledge somehow about Frankenstein, you know, because it's become such a like cultural reference in, in some ways in pop culture. And so for me, there's even re even reading the book now, there's this distinction I've had to make about like what's like legend and what's actually in the book, which has been really interesting. And um, so anyway, that's just to preface some more of my questions about Minnesota. <laughs> oh, we're still in this play. segment? Yeah, I didn't play the outro. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, so I guess you know, so we crashed up in White Bear Lake where the uh, motto, I don't know what you call it, tagline? It's on their sign. White Bear Lakes, it's on their sign. The city of lakes and legends. And I guess I'm curious, well, first of all, if anybody knows either some of those legends or just other Minnesota legends, Paul, that, um, would you tell us, please? I would love to hear some Minnesota legends. You have to help me out on this one. He's real big. And he has a blue ox. And he's a lumberjack. Yes. And that's been Minnesota legends. Thank you. Are we still in Minnesota legends? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I went, I went to that Lake Monster Brewery, and um, I asked everyone who was working there if, like, what the Lake Monster was. And if anybody could tell me, like, a story about the lake monster, and everybody just was really defensive about it and didn't have any answers for me. And so I'm wondering if anyone here can tell me anything about if they've seen the lake monster. Or if related, if you've just, you know, seen anything that you couldn't explain at, at a lake. The lake monster here was 
like an art project. Like it was a cutesy mascot thing, I think. Like it wasn't ever real. So you don't believe? No. Thoughts. There's 10,000 lakes. There has to be a monster somewhere in this state. I think last week we had that corrected, too, because apparently there's not 10,000 lakes. There's 30,000 lakes. Thoughts. But I also, is not being a native Minnesotan. Damn. Minnesotan? Damn. Trying. I feel like some of their lakes could potentially be classified as ponds. What if the monster is us? Ooh. That's a really good tie-in to this book. No, that's such a good, that's a perfect transition, even though I wanted to do a lakes, pond, point, counterpoint, but put a pin in it. Um, so, put a pin in it. Uh, and we're back. So, I mean, in this book, a segment that I think well, I was thinking about doing at the end, but... I mean, on our mini-apps, which we have not released yet, which are out there in the universe somewhere in time and space, we do a segment called Who's the Hero? And in this particular story, um, I feel like we could we could definitely break that down. Like, between Frankenstein, his monster, and any other character, who's the hero? Uh, so, Brent, or anybody else who has an uh, idea about this book, who's the hero? Okay, I'm going to put a pin in that. Put a pin. Do the, do the thing. Put a pin in it. Have either of you read Frankenstein or have a passing knowledge of uh, Frankenstein related? I had to read it for academic decathlon in high school. Okay, I got a lot of questions about that. <laughs> I think I read it when I was a sophomore, but I really, honestly, don't think I read it all. <sighs> Yeah. The truth's revealed. I got an A in the class. The truth's revealed. Who was, what was your teacher's name? I can't remember. I think you're lying again. <laughs> We're going to call him. I'm sure that he listens to this podcast. Him or her listens to this podcast. I'm sure she listens to the podcast. Uh, do you hear that? You gave an A to a phony... That's been you gave an A to it. <laughs> Everyone's favorite segment. Brought to you by Accidental Beans. Uh, whoops. Accidental Beans. Well, okay. I I think that the hero in this is so ambiguous. You know, I think that one of the things that we talked about, I'm just going to keep referring back to Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy, is that I think that in that one, there is never anyone who clearly has like the moral high ground. And so it's, you could maybe say there are some heroes in it, but not, yeah, no one is ever fully in the right ever, I don't think. And in Frankenstein, certainly Frankenstein himself is absolutely not the hero. I think I can eliminate him immediately. I think that the monster becomes something of a, of a tragic, more of a hero than, than Dr. Frankenstein. However, uh, he's a bad dude also. Um, and and uh, I would by no means call him the hero. So I, I really don't know. I think that's one of the interesting things about this book is that it's maybe a cursory warning tale towards the uh, the ship captain Walden. You know, he maybe as much as anyone is uh, uh, described as the hero. Maybe the the unnamed like sister that he's writing to. Maybe she's the hero. Uh, yeah. 
I'm going to confirm all of that. Uh, never confirmed. It's true. Nobody's ever won who's the hero. But this time, it's the unnamed sister. I'm going to give no explanation. And that's been who's the hero. And we're back. Uh, well, now I feel like we should do as is tradition and read the last page of the book. Um, so spoilers abound, kind of. Uh, here we go. Uh, reading from the last page. Uh, audiobook. He sprung from the cabin window as he said this upon the ice raft which lay close to the vessel. Uh, excuse me, that's lay close to the vessel. I need to redo this whole thing. I need to redo this whole thing. Still audiobook though. This is actually in th the last page. Retry. Leaving it in. Audiobook. He sprung from the cabin window as he said this upon the ice raft which lay close to the vessel. He was borne away with, by the waves and lost in darkness and distance. The end. Uh, this fuck up of the week brought to you by Accidental Beans. Uh, whoops. But I feel like that actually does bring up a point of the language of this book, which is, man, there are adjectives upon adjectives, adverbs upon adverbs. Yeah, I feel like every sentence could be boiled down to basically... Yeah, a quarter of its length possibly and still makes sense like not saying anything about style obviously that reduces some of the style but uh yeah some of it was kind of tough you start a sentence and just because of the uh hyperbolic adjectives you don't really know where you're going halfway through thoughts on that this is sorry this is only a question for brent so sorry to the minnesotans who don't maybe have quite as a recent knowledge of uh this book yeah i mean i certainly well, one of the things, again, just trying to talk about how I had to put down some of my assumptions maybe about Frankenstein's monster, they would, one of those includes the fact that I think in film adaptations, you know, or like when he meets like a, when he meets like Bugs Bunny or Scooby-Doo or something like that, I think the monster only talks in these grunts. You talking about Space Jam? I wish. Let's talk about it. It's time for Sports Corner. It's your chance to your dance in the Sports Corner. All right. Uh, welcome to Sports Corner. I'm your host, John Love. With me as always, Brent Aldrich and a gaggle of Minnesotans. Hi, Brent and a gaggle of Minnesotans. Hi, John. Gaggle, gaggle, gaggle. Uh, so, Brent, we this is our first time on Earth. Uh, we came back 900 years from the future. We are here now. We've been here for over a week, and we experienced our first ever Super Bowl. Correct. Super Bowl lit. L.I. Um, thoughts on the Super Bowl? And I guess the gaggle of Minnesotans absolutely can chime in. Who was the hero? Great question. Welcome to Who's the Hero? Uh, I'm your host, John Love. With me, as always, Brent Tolledge and the gaggle of Minnesotans. Uh, welcome, all. Hi, John. Uh, so, that Super Bowl, huh? Yep. Who's the hero? Uh, that Lady Gaga. Uh, reasonings. I don't know, it seemed pretty neat. Alright. She was flying in there for a little bit. Alright, thanks for playing. Someone told me she looked like she had just poisoned Gotham's water supply. <laughs> was demanding a ransom. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who told you that? Twitter. <laughs> is, that is that your friend's name? Oh, Mr. Okay. Twitter? Yeah. All right. I know Mr. Twitter. All right. 
Uh, anybody else have hero guesses? Who's the hero? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. I actually watched the Super Bowl. Who's the hero? I mean, it's a pretty boring answer, but Tom Brady. Because he helped win. <laughs> what about, I mean, the one part I remember is that one catch, actually, when he, that guy caught the ball. Remember that? Remember yeah, that but time? I don't know who caught it. Julian Please. Edelman, I think. Do you have any other guesses uh, for who's the hero? All right. Uh, we have a lot of good guesses, but nobody's correct. <laughs> the answer is obviously Mr. Twitter <laughs> for coming up with that just delightful joke about Lady Gaga's halftime performance. And that's how we play Who's the Hero, uh, brought to you by Corona Sweet Tea, the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip, and we're back. What segment are we in? Sports Corner. Uh, I guess that's probably it for the Super Bowl. I think we covered it. Who's the hero? I mean, hero is the most important part of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Still in Sports Corner. No, sorry. Uh, Still in Sports Corner. That's the end of the Super Bowl segment of Sports Corner. But this also ties into, like, True Minnesota Corner. So, welcome to True Minnesota Sports Corner. Uh, Mighty Ducks. Thoughts. Is it the most... Famous movie set in Minnesota. I thought about trying to get everyone to start chanting quack. 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 And we're back. And we're quack. So, yeah. I mean, for one, what do you guys think of Mighty Ducks? And then the final question is... Is the most famous movie that's ever filmed in Minnesota, or set in Minnesota, or both? Mallrats was filmed in Minnesota. But I don't know. That's probably less famous than Mighty Ducks. So. I would have gotten one for Mighty Ducks. Okay. All, all I'm gonna say is that it's quack, 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 quack. Not rats, 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 rats. Uh, and that's been Sports Corner. Or the Minnesota tie-in to Sports Corner. That's it. We're done. And we're back. So the uh, monster, I was expecting to just talk in a lot of grunts, right? Because that was the impressions of him that I had. But then one of the hardest things was getting used to. He's a kind of long-winded orator throughout this entire book. And uh, he's learned language from spying on some nice peasant folks through a little crack in their in their house uh, and uh, you know one of the, the guys married someone from Persia maybe is what it's called in here and so he learns how to speak and read from spying on them and so he goes on the one on this I there's several chapters where he's just explained to Dr. Frankenstein where he's been for two years. So two years elapsed in this book also where he's just out in the world learning stuff. And so I'll just read you a sort of random paragraph where I finally made a note to say, like, this is weird. This monster's he should he's like a regular Abraham Lincoln. Uh, audio book. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, oh. I was delighted when I first discovered that a pleasant sound, which often saluted my ears, 
proceeded from the throats of the little winged animals who had often intercepted the light from my eyes. I began also to observe with greater accuracy the forms that surrounded me and to perceive the boundaries of the radiant roof of light which canopied me. Sometimes I tried to imitate the pleasant songs of the birds, but was unable. Sometimes I wished to express my sensations in my own mode. But the uncouth and inarticulate sounds which broke from me frightened me into silence again. And uh, that's that's Frankenstein's monster, everybody. Uh, I, I've, I've got a new new quick segment. It's called TLDR. Uh, welcome to TLDR. Uh, this is going to be very short because it should be. So TLDR, if you don't know, isn't a brief, which means too long, didn't read. Uh, and I feel like, like I said earlier, almost every sentence in this book could be like really condensed in a huge way. So while listening to that audiobook segment from Frankenstein's Monster, I, uh, I abbreviated that sentence. So here we go. TLDR, birds sing, the sky exists, I'm sad. And that's been TLDR. Yeah, on that same page, it, it's very bizarre because there's, I think the only footnotes in this book are when, so on occasion, she'll quote from like, the rhyme of the ancient mariner or some other poem and there's all this very flowery flowery over the top language as john was just saying but there's this one footnote on that very same page i was just reading from uh i'm just gonna read again it's an audiobook this this is back further on the page the monster is explaining how he was learning it says soon a gentle light stole over the heavens and gave me a sensation of pleasure I started up and beheld a radiant form rise from among the trees. Asterisk, the moon. So, like, <laughs> he, he over-explains all of, like, how he learns things. But on this one occasion, we get a footnote. The moon. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know. I don't want to be too mean because it just seems like this book is very obviously of, like, written way before all the other ones that we've that we've read uh because i don't know i mean i definitely think that the the language in the book doesn't seem like anything anybody would ever say which almost every time that's happened in the books we've read so far i've definitely pointed it out because it's something that brings me out of the narrative universe and i think perhaps written since this is written in the early 1800s that at that time a book was supposed to be different from speech uh it was supposed to be you know kind of very lush and um super descriptive and a lot of adjectives so i don't know if that's if that's just the way that things were written or um or, or what i don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that well yes i mean i think that what's interesting and the reason that we're reading this is that there's the argument to be made that frankenstein is the first science fiction book as could be properly called science fiction. And I think some of the reasoning for that goes that there is a genre that this comes out of and that's more mythological or legends, you know, where you've got these other creatures. You've certainly got things that are rooted in legends. Uh, but um, but this is one that that the creature in this case is created using some kind of science, some kind of very human-caused machination, you know, 
It's not like just some freak of nature. It's not just alchemy. It's not uh, like the gods who have created this thing, like Prometheus, or like you know the gods creating the Titans. You know, in, in, in mythological terms, this is the first one that says Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, the details are pretty vague about what exactly the uh, scientific process was, the chemical whatever. But nonetheless, it was science, you know, by a person that made this creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's two. There are two things in this book that um, I know we've already done. Who's the hero for the whole book? But um, that I would at least give Dr. Victor Frankenstein a nod for uh, two of the most admirable things that he did in this book. One. Uh, like we like to avoid on the pod because we don't want to change timelines when we're talking back to the to the past. Um, he doesn't give away any spoilers, so he does not really describe how he reanimates this corpse essentially. Um, so kudos on no spoilers. That's uh, it's a real tenant of the sci-fi podcast book club here as well. The other thing that he did, which makes him, you know, he he did some things which kind of take him out of the running of being a hero. But uh, he gave his monster two legs. Uh, and I think that is... I would like to see a source on that. Uh, all right. Let's go to page 58 in my copy of the book. Um, I did not uh, underline exactly where this was, but there, it's, th- it's in a description of what the monster itself looks like. Uh, here we go. Audiobook. His limbs were in proportion. And I had selected his, his features as beautiful. So I take that to mean his limbs in proportion mean there's two of them, obviously. I mean, I would have thrown, thrown a bunch more in there. I would just put a bunch like in a grab bag and see what you pull out if I was Dr. Frankenstein. Well, good thing you're not because the only thing that redeems him from being just a, a total monster himself is are those two things that I mentioned. By the way, you know, I think we said this last time. I, uh, I had... Between our seasons, I had hibernated. I, I built that little spit paper mache cocoon around me, and I came out with these three wings. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, that's a pretty new thing for me. But uh, now, as uh, as Tom Petty once said, I'm learning to fly. <laughs> but I ain't got wings, which doesn't make sense because I do have wings. But and in the future, Tom Petty has wings also, and there's lots of them. Lots it's like a heads. yeah. It's like a you know how you have like swarms of locusts. You know you have gaggles of Minnesotans. There's like swarms of Tom Petties. Yeah. Oh, and he uh, rewrote his famous song. Uh, the the waiting is the hardest part, and now it goes like. The windshield is the hardest part. They're called confettis of Tom Petties because they're so small and there's so many of them. And we're back. Okay, so I feel like, unfortunately, we got into content very quickly, which is unprecedented on this podcast, because we missed, or not missed, we can go back to, obviously, everyone's favorite segment, Five Words or Less. We're, we call it a different thing. Well, we'll compare notes later. We'll compare notes later. Uh, so welcome to Five Words or Less, uh, where we attempt to come up with a five-word summary or synopsis of the book that we have read. Would any of our true Minnesotans like to come up with a five-word synopsis of one of these books? And here's the thing. While you're thinking, um, just tell me how many words of a theme song, and I'll sing it for you. 
Yeah, so we also have a, a segment which happens just before this one called 25 or 30 word theme song where uh, Brent attempts to come up with a 25 or 30 word theme song for five word synopsis to give you time to think. Are any of you prepared for this? You can also pass it back and forth. Or I can, I can just shoulder this. Science. Uh, okay, if you guys just think, and then... Uh, How many words should this theme song be? 25-word theme song. Here we go. So you have time to think. In five words or less, we'll get the best summary you've heard. That sounds like a bird. Four more words left? Nope, there's some more <laughs> left. Oh, this Liz Count. <laughs> uh, all right. What do we got? What are our five words or less? Science. Intelligent, but not wise. Very good. Uh, do you, Brent, do you want to explain? Do you want to break down what those word, five words mean? So obviously, it's kind of a self-defeating segment because we always then expound <laughs> upon those five words. Um, do, you, do you want to take those? Because I've got my own actual, my, my own five words or less that I'll that I'll that I'll do. I'll do me. You do them. I'll do me. <laughs> Science. Comma, intelligent, but not why. Is that a comma or a colon? I was thinking M dash. M dash, okay, good. The gentleman's dash. <laughs> the gentle M's dash. <laughs> Science, intelligent, but not wise. So I would say that in this, there's science to make a monster that Dr. Frankenstein makes. I think that the moment in this book that I would use as an example of this five-word summary is the moment at which Dr. Frankenstein completes the monster. He's been studying all the stuff, working on this, uh, stitching together parts, arteries, etc., etc., and then the moment at which his creation has life, has intelligence, you could say, he immediately hates the thing. I mean, just immediately turns on. He sees it come to life, have a kind of intelligence. But in that regard, you could say uh, maybe the creature has intelligence, but has had none of the, like, uh, I don't know, adaptation to become wise, we could say. And by the same turn, Dr. Frankenstein uh, maybe himself, you know, is very intelligent. I think we're, we're, we see that throughout the entire book. And I think that Mary Shelley goes over the top to say, like, he had the best childhood. He grew up the best. He was super supportive. He's super smart. And then he, uh, but he uses his powers for evil. And, uh, and, 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 and maybe so he himself is super intelligent, but fails to use that power in, in a wise way. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that to kind of expound upon what you just said, he obviously is super intelligent and outstrips his professors that he learns uh, science from. But then he just never thinks about what the end game is. He is so concerned with making this thing possible. He doesn't 
ever stop to think about what it might do or mean. Um, so yeah, that's that's intelligence, but not wisdom. Very good. Uh, you ready for your? Yes. So, so so something now I have to uh, say quickly. Uh, I and we we realized this when we talked to our friend Dyson about um, the dark forest recently. One of uh, the books we read last um, last season in which he always explained how something had a metaphorical significance and we were always trying to take it apart as literally as possible because we're idiots. Uh, but he's also from the time period. So, you know, he understands how novels and literature are supposed to work and we are learning English as we read these books. So, you know, there you go. But uh, I feel like our true Minnesotans uh, five word synopsis was much better than mine. Uh, it was... I have no metaphorical understanding. So here's mine. Starts with the same word. Science, comma, misery one-upsmanship. So science, comma, and then misery is one word. One-upsmanship is hyphenated. But as we know, this is called five words or less. So I'm under the, <laughs> under the bar. Uh, does anyone want to try to explain that three-word summary? <laughs> I'll do it. All right. Okay. Um, Yeah, this one I feel like you kind of can't, again, because if you've read something and then have some time to reflect on it and are thinking back on what it meant, you kind of get those metaphorical readings a little bit easier. And I just get hung up in the the stupid, like, unimportant detail, basically. So I just could not, and this, I guess, maybe ties in a little bit with who's the hero and who's not the hero. I hated both Frankenstein and the monster because it seemed like towards the end, they went on this like literal earth traveling journey just to prove to one another how upset that they are and how much they're suffering. Uh, So, well, I guess, and we'll talk about maybe in the synopsis, Frankenstein makes the monster the monster goes out into the world, learns about the world, comes back to Frankenstein and says, hey, I'm a monster and nobody will interact with me because I'm the only one of my kind. Will you make me a companion, please? And Frankenstein's like, nope, not a chance, buddy. Isn't he like, yeah, sure I will. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah, he eventually comes to his senses and agrees to make uh, a companion for the monster, which he then destroys right in front of the monster's face. It's messed up. Yeah. Yep. And then after that, Frankenstein kept like continues to talk about how terrible his situation is, and this monster keeps chasing me and won't leave me alone. And I mean, because again, maybe the language is so adjective dense and hyperbolic at times. It just seemed like to me towards the end, like they kept finding each other and wanting to prove to one another, like, no, I'm in more pain and and listen to all the words that I can use to describe that pain and that suffering and that uh, malignant dark hole at the center of my being and the same thing that means the, you know, pain in the first sense. Um, So yeah, they just kept chasing each other to the end of the world to, uh, to prove that they're, they're suffering to one another. So I had a very, uh, uh, what's ever on the page, I see it and I don't understand any of its metaphorical significance because I'm a bad reader. 
Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I felt. They were both terrible uh, in their own unique way, and they're both the worst, so they can both be proud of that. And that's how we play five-word synopsis. Uh, and we're back. Yeah, I think that I, I'd love to pick up there because I think that throughout this book, as as Aaron maybe said earlier, who is the monster? You know, because and I think that that is really what starts to happen is that you realize that there's this monster that's been created, but maybe just as quickly start to realize like this Dr. Frankenstein is the worst, and and even the way that he starts to describe himself, like he becomes the worst and the worst. And as we were just talking about, he's like, yeah, I'll make you a lady monster. And he starts working on it and putting it together, whatever that means. And then when the monster shows up and it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, it's quitting time. I see. <laughs> um, uh, coming all the earlier the next morning, uh, it's Christmas Eve, Mr. Frankenstein. <laughs> And then he just rips up that monster in front of the other monster. It's, I mean, it's really not like the, the whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing just gets worse and worse and just becomes Dr. Frankenstein and his monster one upping each other about mm-hmm. who, who is worse. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so at, right after that scene, whoop. <laughs> Right after that scene, when Frankenstein, you know, destroys the uh, the lady monster that he's creating for uh, the original monster, he the the monster like basically you know freaks out as you would imagine and threatens Frankenstein, basically saying, "I'm not going to let you like l- you know live in any sort of happiness. You will suffer." Uh, and then the one line that I couldn't get over was, "I will be, I will be with you on your wedding night." And why that I, that wouldn't leave me wasn't because of what I imagined would happen, which would mean like he's going to show up on his wedding night and just kill everybody—a real red wedding situation. Um, I thought that he was going to end up, I don't know, disguising himself as Frankenstein's bride <laughs> and be like, "Here I am, buddy." He's going to, un- you know. Somehow hide his eight foot tall frame. Right, like a Scooby Doo that you pull the mask off. <laughs> Whoa! I would have got married if it wasn't for you, meddling monsters. Yeah, so that's that's what I was just longing for the whole time. Like I'll be there on your wedding night, wink. And sure enough, that did didn't happen. He actually ended up just killing Frankenstein's wife. Spoilers. <laughs> Slash sort of sister, right? Yes. What do you remember? They grew up together. They were like the best of friends, almost like sisters. Mm-hmm. I feel like at some point, there's several points that described her as more than more than friend or more than daughter. More than a sister yeah. is exactly what it said. Mm-hmm. And then there's various times they call each other cousin. Um, yeah, I got a little... Maybe that was normal. Probably was. I will say it was... It was strange for me throughout because I feel like there were times when Mary Shelley was actually very progressive and radical in this with like, um, either with just like what any of the women were doing or, um, I don't know, that like Muslim who got thrown in jail, like unjustly, you know, I I thought that there were a few times where she was actually very progressive for 
18, 18. And then other times, yeah, where it was just like, wait, you adopted this girl out of nowhere so that she could marry your son when they grow up? Her mom was a famous feminist, right? Her mom. Mary Wollstone. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. High school memories, though. And this has been High School Memories. Brent, what are your high school memories? Well, it's been uh, over over 900 years ago. Um, My high school memories include... um, uh, Gosh. That's them. (laughs) And this has been High School Memories. What's uh, in the academic decathlon? What events are there? So it's competitive test taking. Long jump. No, that's the broad. It is competitive test taking, and within that is literature, music. Long jump. Yes. With pencils. (laughs) (laughs) Number twos. Welcome to Long Jump with Pencils. We just did it. We long jumped with pencils. I don't know. It was fire. We, we did a good job. And we're back. Yeah. Now I need to hear more about this academic decathlon. If they're long jumping with pencils, then I don't even know what else could be in store. How is it? Not so then every year would have a theme. And the theme when we read Frankenstein was like the capital R romantics like that time. And so the math stuff was stuff that their mathematicians had focused on the music was music from that time period would you tell us everything you can remember about that right now Oof. Uh, so it was about the romantics and about spirituality because they were into splitting science from spirituality and the mind from the body and so the music was weird spiritual music from different places and times and my first heavy makeout session was to that CD because she was also an academic decathlon. Yeah. We were studying and we put the CD on and then we ended up making out. And it was like weird, like uh, Anishinaabe music and like monks singing. Uh, that's what you wanted to hear, right? That's romantic. <laughs> wow, Aaron, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Uh, anybody else have any makeout sessions they want to discuss on the podcast? This, it's a tradition. We do this every single podcast. So do I. Uh, my high school memories are failing me. I do remember one related, actually, Aaron, to your academic decathlon. The one thing that stuck in my head from high school related to this kind of literature is a little literary device called the pathetic fallacy. What is the pathetic fallacy, you might ask? It's not pathetic. That's for sure. Is it a fallacy? Uh, uh, nope. Uh, what? A misnomer, uh, but it, it means that um, like that nature um, is like mirrors uh, human emotions, and so I felt like that was one of these throughout. Like, is somebody sad? You could bet your ass it's raining. <laughs> yeah. Are things going well? Oh, the sun's out. Um, it's you know it's one of those that on the one hand I actually love it because I actually kind of. In, in terms of like a quantum level, like I love the idea that reality only exists as we experience it to exist. So I like that. But as it gets used in this, nah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Mary Shelley was thinking quantum. 
Uh, and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. What's the best song to replace lyrics with kissy noises? That is a long-standing segment on this pod. I don't remember which what the first episode that we did it on, but uh, I'm your host, John Love. With me, as always, Brent Aldrich and a gaggle of Minnesotans. Welcome, Brent and gaggle. Hi, John. Uh, all right, who wants to start? Uh, so the way we play this game is you pick the best song that you can think of to replace any lyrics that you'd like with kissy noises. Previously have been, uh, on this segment, have been uh, Mbop, which went a little bit something like Mbop Dapa. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, so that's how we play. Anybody got a favorite song to replace with Kissy Noises? Speaking of the Super Bowl, maybe Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Oh, can can you sing that? Blaine, can you sing that? I'll do the kissy noises if somebody can sing it. I don't know if it's those words. So instead of the whoa, 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 we're going to do kissy noises. So let's try, start it over. Caught in a bad romance. She is the correct answer. Bad Romance, the best song to replace with Kissy Noises. And we're back. That was a good one. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had that segment. Glad that Corel and Sweet Tea, Sweet Tea in the Galaxy Sip, is still sponsoring that one. Well, so just a, a few... Uh, again, with Mary Shelley, I just want to talk about her a little bit, too, because so she was 18 when she... Or 19 when she wrote this, or started writing it, at least. And so, again, as I was saying, there are a few of these things. You know, she actually takes some jabs at, like, what happened to the original inhabitants of America. You know, like, she is, again, kind of politicized. But at the same time, she's a 19-year-old in 1818 England. And so even though, yeah, she has these radical parents, I think both of them, it's it's such an interesting read and, and just being when it's from. So the other part of that is that the... The story goes, I'm sure it's been conflated over time and in the telling, but the story goes that her and her, like, lover at the time, Percy Bryce Shelley, I think, and Lord Byron were all, like, camping. And, they and like, Lord Byron dared everybody to, like, write a ghost story. And out of that grew Frankenstein. They were the mansion. In the Swiss Alps. What do you remember from Academic Decathlon? And there's a, another weird story about like a mummy that someone else came up with. Maybe. Brandon Fraser? Yes. Knew it. Uh, and Sino Man woke up in the mansion, quickly developed a story about a mummy, said his famous line, I'll be back, and went back into the ice. <laughs> Classic tale. Uh, no, they're all a mansion. And someone else had another story about a mommy that's like written mm-hmm. in English. Was it a haunted mansion? Whoa! <laughs> I think so. Great. So I, my challenge <laughs> to everyone sitting around this table, I guess, is maybe we could dim the lights a little bit and we could all tell a ghost story. <laughs> Just, uh, whoever tells it has to light their face like this. I can, I'm prepared to tell one. Go for it. That's better. 
Okay. Um, so, one time, there were these teenagers. Thank you. I'm glad we brought our Foley artist. Thank you, Bone Shaker, for bringing the Foley artist out. Please keep going. There were these teenagers, right? Okay. And they all, it was nighttime. And they were sad. But then they were like, let's go to the lake. Let's go to the lake. And we'll go swimming at night. So they all start swimming, right? There's four of them. And the one of them. <laughs> so one of them. I love the three of you. That was the teenager Todd. So they all go swimming. Oh, Team Todd. That's what I painted, Team Todd. <laughs> and, uh,. They're all swimming, and, and the three of them are out there, and then they realize one of them's gone, and they can't find her. Whoa! And so they, they know it's a her. Where's she at? <laughs> and they, they, look for, they look for her, and they look for her, and they, um, and they can't find her. And, and they, they look all night, and they, a few of them finally fall asleep on the beach, because they're so tired. <laughs> That's why you fall asleep. And, uh, and then... Uh, when Todd will go. <laughs> what was that? I'm still Todd. I'm Todd. He saw a body over on the shore, their friend. And he walked over and, and he could see like steam lines rising off of her body. And he, anybody could see that she was still breathing. And, and he rolled her over. And when she rolled over, liquid hot cheese was pouring out of her, her mouth and her ears and her eyes and everywhere. Scalding hot, 300 degrees American cheese. And, and he wanted to give her like CPR and, and the mouth to mouth, but the cheese was too hot. hot to, to even. So just, the compressions. It was all about the compressions then, and and she survived, and and no one could explain it, and and um and and um her name was Lucy, and <laughs> come on. And twenty years later, Todd got a job. Not no, just two years later, because he was already seventeen. So two years later, he got a job. <laughs> In the kitchen. <laughs> at Sam's. At Matt's. At Matt's. <laughs> he was at Sam's, we got fired. <laughs> and so then he got shot at Matt's. <laughs> and one day, it was his first day, and he was supposed to be making the hamburger. Flip. <laughs> and he. Flip. And he. he Oh, he opened the the refrigerator to get out the ground beef patties, and he touched them with his hands, and all of a sudden they started ex- excreting liquid hot cheese, and it reminded him of that day two years ago, and he ran, he ran from Matt's as fast as he could, but then the server came out and found these, um, these these liquid cheese filled burger patties and so of course he served them and they called it the Juicy Lucy
Anybody else have a ghost story? So once upon a time, there was this ghost. His name was Casper. That's it. He lived happily ever after. He was very friendly. Some people mistakenly thought he was a holographic projection, though, which they're very different, so do not make that mistake. Thank you. Anybody else have a ghost story? Well, you're talking about taking out all the adverbs and adjectives, and, I mean, I think eventually American literature did that, and so we reached that point of, like, the six-word story, like, the just, there's that famous six-word ghost story, for sale baby shoes with ghosts. <gasps> Four ghosts for sale. Four ghosts by ghosts. <laughs> and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment Four Ghosts by Ghosts. <laughs> now, is it four F O U R F O R? Ghosts by ghosts. Four ghosts. Four teens, four ghosts, four legs, too, too many. <laughs> Thoughts. That's how you play Four Ghosts by Ghosts. Uh, brought to you by Carol and Sweet Tea, Sweetest Tea in the Galaxy set. And we're back. All right. Well, is it that time to... Um, answer some questions for the future i think it is so john and i went back to our um our crash pod out on the frozen ice of white bear lake today 19 and a half 19 and a quarter inches thick we took a core sample and uh we got lots more questions for the future and um hopefully we can get a, a local space-time perspective here with our with our guests and also we'll we'll try to use our 900 year perspective to answer some questions for the future. Has anyone got a good one we can start with? Yes. Okay, would you read it, please? Did Donald Trump completely destroy or Earth or just a partial destruction? Who, is, is there a name on that? Who would like to know? Dan. Do you want a last name? Dan uh, from St. Paul on Earth. All right, uh, Brent, you want to take that one or... Uh, just a partial. You want to partially take that one? No, he's got just a partial. What? <laughs> uh, he partially destroyed it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's it. So they recovers. We're not going to... Better. It gets better. We turn a corner. That's how we play. <laughs> nope, we're still in this. What do we got? Anybody else have any good ones? Are there any cool animals in the future? That sounds like another episode of everyone's favorite segment, Splices. Oh! We don't have a regular host here. Yeah, so Ray usually hosts this one. Uh, our, somebody who's won a contest multiple times is, I think, is still away on the pod, more or less. Yeah, I think she's probably in her cocoon. Should we sing the theme song of Splices, though? I think we should. Uh, this looks like a bear. This looks like a rabbit. It's a bear with rabbit ears. This one... Looks like a chicken. This looks like a turkey. It's a slightly bigger chicken. <laughs> yeah, they basically look the same. I mean, they're both birds. For sure. Uh, this looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. 
This looks like a Wolverine. It sounds like a spinoff of an X-Men storyline with Adamantium. Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and that's how we play that theme song. So, yeah, in the future, uh, you can just splice any two animals together and make a new animal. So, uh, Aaron, what do you think would be the, the one that you'd like to see? Uh, like an iguana and a ferret. We have that in the future. It's really sweet, but you can never find them. Mm-hmm. Blaine? Blaine? Let's make sure I got that right. What two animals do you like to splice together? A bear and a horse. Horse. <laughs> nice. Any reasoning? I like bears and horses. <laughs> we have that in the future. For sure. Those are just some of the cool animals you have to look forward to yep. in the future. So, uh, Brad, we've obviously seen all the animals in the future, uh, but I don't know. Do we have? Do we have a favorite? My favorite uh, currently is the one where um, it's like it's like your Earth turtles, right? Where uh, you know it can pull its head four feet and tail into its shell so it's like that except um it's just so you like you see the shell and you think oh this is just a regular earth turtle but then when it comes out of its shell it's just one two three four five six little turtles that shoot out of the shell yeah that's, that's a good one neat. yeah that's nice um i mean i think my favorite would be a no, not a spider. I've, I've talked about that too much. Um, let's talk about... We'll I'll go with the turtle. I mean, I do like that the fact that we could splice turtles with amoebas and make two amoebas with shells. They each have two legs. Do you have any good ones over there? Someone has a question about your pod specifically. Oh. I think... Hold on, just one second. Put a pin in it. I think we're still in... Yep. Uh, that looks like a beer can. That looks like a stingray. Uh, R.I.P. Steve Irvin. Irwin. Irwin? Irvin. Irwin. is Australian for death. <laughs> uh, this segment brought to you by Foster's. Australian for death. And we're back. Are you guys from a dystopian future where you are forced to make a ship out of wood, cardboard, paint, etc.? That's from Benjamin. Ben, that sounds so mean. Yeah. Ben, I, you, obviously you're not really a fan of the podcast because you would know that we found our podcast legitimately, but, you know, uh, and it's actually probably from your time. It's full of science fiction books, movies, and ephemera from your time. So I feel like that's your problem. Ben. <laughs> that's on you, Ben. Uh, all right. I got a good one here. In the words of the infamous Amanda, what the heck? That's from Ruth. From Maple Grove in Earth. Uh, yeah, for real. What the heck? Right back at you, Ruth. Yeah, you got it. Well, what the heck? Right back at you, infamous Amanda. You're still just as infamous in the future. What the heck? I've got a question that I like a lot from Wilder in, how do you say this, Minnesotans? Magamia. Not what I would have guessed. Matomedi. 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 Here's the question. Do you think about Albert Einstein? <laughs> when I'm falling asleep every night. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just going to run through f- like three or four of these real quick. Uh, do you have flying cars in 2917? Yes. Will apes rule the world? Yes. Will there be ice caps? No. 
Do you still have phones? Yes. Have they improved? Not really. Are there donuts in the future? Of course, but they have multiple holes. Did Trump ruin the U.S. slash world? Yes, and kind of. Uh, will we ever develop underwater breathing technology past scuba? Yes, but the acronym doesn't get any better. Or is there any water left? Of course. That's it. I, okay, I, I like that. Let's let's just do a run through these as well. I, I, I like that. Blaine, you got any over there? Can, can I throw one out that's mine? Yeah. <gasps> do, you guys, Unprecedented. do you guys know what postcards are? And do you still have them? Is that like... It's like what comes after cards? Yeah. Like how postmodernism and after modernism? I mean, it's just... Yeah, like, let's see it. Like, I, I fill out, like, a firm piece of paper with a picture and send it to my grandparents to sh- tell them about my adventures and that I love them. Very interesting. So we know cards is like you know, poker and those sorts of games. And this definitely seems like it would come after it. And there's love involved. So, yeah, those probably exist in the future. Will I be still stuck in the time loop? Charles. Charles, you? And there's a more, will I still, will I be still stuck in the time loop? It goes on and on. Would would you repeat that again, Aaron? Will I be still stuck in the time loop? Charles, and then it continues, will I be still stuck in the time loop? Hey, Charles. You? Will I be still stuck in the time loop? From Charles. You? Who's on first? (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Charles. Sorry, Charlie. Will we learn how to communicate without speaking? Telepathy, double question mark, from Shannon? Yes. Uh, what is the most popular fast food in the future from Sean? Taco Bell. Space Taco Bell. Do we still talk with our voices? Or do humans read each other's minds from Carly? Uh, both and. What do you poop in? Our hands. What happens to the character of humans? Yes. Is Star Trek real yet? Of course. How did we save the planet Earth from global warming? We didn't. Are we still dabbing? Yes, but we're also doing the stanky leg a whole lot more. Uh, can you live in Antarctica? Yes. Can whales fly? No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> do we got? Do we got a lot more? Are we? Is have, Dolly Parton still alive? Dolly Parton. Here's the thing: transcends into a star, a literal star in the solar system, and is a goddess. Solid. Being different in this time is hard. Does it get easier? Elka. What's your favorite sci-fi book? From Elka. From St. George, Kansas, which is not far for you guys to travel, but it's very far for us to travel. That's true. Uh, what was the first question? Being different in this time is hard. Does it get easier? So, I mean, I wish that I could ask a clarifying question to Elka. And that clarifying question would be how many legs do you have? Because if you have two, you're, you're golden, baby. You can do whatever you want. Uh, in the future, being different, uh, it doesn't get a lot easier. I mean, as, as Frankenstein's monster uh, will, will show us, you know, being uh, separated from the uh, rest of humanity, being alienated, um, which that word, that term is not accidental, 
It's never, it's never easy, Elka. Uh, just gotta let you know we're here from you hypothetically. We, you can't reach us for nine years yeah. in the future, but we're here for you. And every single, every single one of us in the entire universe has that same question. So that's, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like every single one of us feels that same way. And uh, I, I think, you know, maybe hopefully in the future, we're all a little more honest about that. Yeah, I mean, the few people that don't think that often are your. Uh, your Cheeto monsters in the White House. Also, what's your favorite sci-fi book? Well, you could listen to the season finale of the SFPCPC and find out what I rated number one on the Top 20 Countdown. We rated um, Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy number one in that season finale. Um, so that's three books. So I realize that's not necessarily a good, you know, good solid singular answer. But uh, read that whole trilogy. It's great. It will make you feel better about being different. I think that's a good place to close. Close up the old mailbag. I feel like that's a, uh, a good time uh, for everyone's favorite new segment. Get a tattoo from the future. What's a tattoo? Blaine. Obviously. Okay. Um, do you want a tattoo either of the Sci-Fi Book Club logo, of our Crash Pod, or of our favorite teammate, Dyson? <laughs> I like the logo. Okay. There is. Uh, oh yeah, come on down. There's our Sci-Fi Book Club logo, there's our Crash Space Pod, or there's our favorite teammate, Dyson. Come on down, you can see him. Uh, where do you want it? You can choose. Okay, let's do this. Heck yeah. I mean, if you need to, we could just make a whole, like, wrap-around thing with, like, multiple, yeah. A sleeve of the same tattoo. And these days, like, they do the, uh, bar, it's not the bar, the fire. A little tribal, like, band. For sure. Yeah, we'll do a tribal band with, but your tribe is the Sci-Fi Book Club. Hello. Okay, come on around. I haven't actually, I haven't actually tried these yet. No. This is number one with future technology. Okay. I'm gonna try this. Sorry, it doesn't work. Ah, yeah. Future technology. Technology. Let's just play Daft Punk songs during this uh, podcast, Gold. Or we just keep it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. She's up all night to get tattoos of Sci-Fi Book Club. I really hope this works. So he's like he's super let down if it doesn't. I know, I know. Imagine how the listeners feel. They love this stuff. For sure. I wish we actually were recording. Yeah. Woo! Can I take? Oh my. Amazing. All right. What, which one do you delightful. want? Delightful. Okay. Fun. Let's do it. I want to. I want a Dyson. On my, my chest. Yeah. I'm. Me and you're gonna get Dyson tattoos. This one's gonna happen. Yeah. Like Mike Tyson style face tats. Mike Dyson. <laughs> Mike Dyson. Yes. Yes. We figured it out. We cracked the code. This is what we came back to the past for. Yeah, Mike Dyson. That's a thing.
in our uh, in our D and D campaign. There's gonna be Mike Dyson of the Fighter that just punches people, or I guess he could be a monk, maybe. <laughs> I think your D&D character is just going to be like a, a yeah, man named Graham. <laughs> okay. But he died. There's a ghost now. So he's sort of a hollow Graham. <sighs> I love it. I still I want to be mandolin solo, though. Hey, John. You ready for your Dyson tattoo? Heck yeah! Yeah. Let's get matching ones. Shit, yeah. Can you share the same wet napkin? It's <laughs> just... Yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. That's probably. The shirts are coming up. Who knew this is where it was gonna go? Facebook Live it. (laughs) Let's get Zuckerberg involved. All right. (laughs) Welcome back, universe, to the SBCPC. No shirts, no tattoos. No shirts, no shoes. A lot of service. As long as you have two shoes. No shirts, shoes. All the service. That's going to be a uh, bumper sticker. No shirts, two shoes. Plenty of service. Oh my gosh. I messed up. You, you rookie. There's plastic on the thing? Messed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we flip this? No. We're both going to take plastic off. You didn't tell me about the plastic. You didn't tell me about the plastic. So like this? It's like this? No. It's just like a regular temporary tattoo. You have to pull the plastic off first. <laughs> All right, you're really dead. I'm sorry, universe. We're failures. I can't believe we both did it. <laughs> you know how the technology works. I know nothing about this. I blame you. This fuck up of the week brought to you by Accidental Beans. Accidental Beans. Whoops. <laughs> Hey, there we go. Now we're in business. All right. That's everybody's favorite segment. Get a tattoo from the future. Uh, they get worse, apparently. Uh, it gets worse. All right. Uh, where, where, where are we at? What are we doing? What else do you need to say about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus? Uh, all right, let's go on to the uh, Listener Challenge. Ooh, ooh. Uh, welcome back to Listener Challenge, the universe's favorite segment that you cannot possibly win. Uh, this week on Listener Challenge, another numerically-based game, again, that is futile. Do not even try to play. Uh, on page 55 of my paperback copy... There is a reference to the height of Frankenstein's monster. So your question, universe, is how tall is Frankenstein's monster? As we all know, on page 55, he's eight feet tall. If you can disprove me, please write in, fax, call, whatever you need to do, send an owl, and you will win a prize package from Corellin's Sweet Tea. 
the sweetest tea in the galaxy sip thanks for playing or not playing it doesn't really matter and we're back so I only watched the first half hour of the Frankenstein movie with Boris Karloff. Have they, has anyone seen that, or like, does anyone like love that by chance? Okay, I know there's some super fans out there in your time, but um, I, I will say, just in that first half hour, um, you get the sense how the Frankenstein myth started to diverge so strongly from the book, for instance. So, for instance, like even the character of like Igor who's named Fritz in that movie, but just shows up like he, you know, that character is not in the book at all. And also he breaks into the uh, university. Like the movie Young Frankenstein, he steals the abnormal brain. So you can almost like blame the entire thing on Igor, just like screwing up, which is kind of passing the buck in my mind, you know? Because then it's just like the whole thing is just like, oh, well, if he would have taken the normal brain, it would have been fine. But he clearly picked up the vial that said abnormal brain on it. And so that, you know, it that change right there to me was sort of enough just to really ruin the whole spirit of saying like, no, it's not that the brain is abnormal. It's that the entire creation of this monster is, is abnormal and what makes Frankenstein the monster. It's not that... Uh, the brain is not good enough. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, one of the notes that I wrote down was because, and maybe this this goes back to the original five words or less that we got to about um, intelligence versus wisdom, but I just don't, I, like, why did Dr. Frankenstein make the monster ugly? It seems like he had the, poss- like, the potential to do everything, reanimate this lifeless being, but he, he couldn't, like, give the guy a break and make him not be totally grotesque to every, everybody? Don't get it. Hmm. Um, but that, that also brings me to, and I know this is kind of a, uh, you know, another route from what you were just talking about, but something I was thinking about was, that was really impactful to me, I guess, was when the monster, you know, goes into this hovel and observes this family to learn kind of everything about the world. Right before that, he was all alone in a forest and had mentioned that he couldn't even separate what his senses were um, giving him. He, um, you know, he was born into the world fully grown at eight feet tall, as we just mentioned. Sorry, you can't win that segment. Um, but every sense was dif- undifferentiated. He couldn't say, "Oh, this is sight. This is touch," etc., because he also um, didn't have the words for it, but he was just an experiencing machine um, without all of the, I don't know, like like what you deal with with um, a family or friends or you know people around you to kind of show you how the world works and what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, and so I thought that was really interesting. And maybe one of my questions would be for Brent, since you, as we all know, have re-uploaded your consciousness to various forms, do you have that type of experience every time where you get to a point where, oh, this is a new form, now I have to relearn how to smell, see, touch, etc.? I only need to screw around most of the senses now. How many do you have? Do you want to know? I think we've talked about this. I I uh, I don't have smelling... I don't have the sixth sense. I don't know if people are ghosts. I don't have... We have talked about that. Um, I can hear, I can taste, and I can feel. But not at all. Yeah, I, so you, just, you can't smell? No. 
Or you don't, and you don't have the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. Haley Joe Osmond's classic so mm-hmm. sixth sense. Sixth sense. Pronunciation is key. But yeah, but in other forms for sure. Yeah, so I don't know if we've mentioned this, but I do not have the ability to feel. Uh, I'm an incorporeal form. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's something that I struggle with as well. So I was just kind of curious how, how you, who you experienced, you know, getting all the senses back at the same time. But, uh, so I do not have a sense of feel. So I only have four senses. Um, but I make up for it in bigotry towards two, uh, non-two-legged creatures. It just been my last, okay, before I was paper body with seven legs, I was paper body with five legs. Before that, I was paper body with three legs. I like the odd number of legs. I think that's better. And uh, wrong. Before that, wrong. Before that, I was uh, just like uh, like a cloud of dust. Just like now that I can understand. A cloud of dust that I gathered around my consciousness. Before that, I was just like a explode, just like explode body parts, just like floating through space. You know, like all over the place. Uh, before that, I was just like a. The explosion of fire. Um, that 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 by that. There've been many many others. All right, that that, that covers all those bases. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, what what else? What else we got? Well, the only other thing I want to say. I mean, a little bit of what you were saying a second ago. I think that just the language you to describe Frankenstein's monster. You know, because. He never is given a name for one. And, you know, I think that that does dehumanize him to begin with. And so, you know, he's called Devil, the Fiend, Demon, Asshole Guy. That's not, that's not real. Vile Insect, uh, uh, Five Legger. <laughs> that's not a real one either. But it's like that six legger, so maybe that's. Ah, very, very, very wise. That's why people, that's why calling somebody a bug. Now I get it. <laughs> I understand everything now. Now I know why. And this is, yes, this is, uh, welcome to Boy Your Guest to Tears, the segment where we reference books we've already read on the podcast. Hi, welcome to Boy Your Guest to Tears. Uh, I'm your guest. Are you? I'm, I'm doing this wrong. I'm your guest in your home, uh, on your mantle. You have this on the radio. There's a fire lit. You've got a nice glass of wine port. You're in your most comfortable underpants. You've got jeans on, though, but on your on your head. It's been a quiet week on the pod where we live. We drilled an ice core on the lake today with an auger. It was 19 and a quarter inches thick. Now, when we were growing up, we didn't have any ice. It was gone then. Global warming was real then for us in the galactic summer. Where all the women rule the world, all the men go fishing. And all the children can get out of here. <laughs> Scat! Scram! I didn't even know what this was. Uh, welcome to Boy Your Guest to Tears. 
Um, I'm, I'm your guest. You're at home. You get a nice glass of wine port. <laughs> Anyways, uh, child, no, not childhood's end. Ender's game. Ender's game. There are the buggers, and there's just such a vehement dis. You know, they detest the buggers throughout this whole book, and I just now realized it's because they have too many legs. That's been bore your guys to tears. So the other thing, though, as I was saying, all those insults hurled at the monster um, eventually come to happen. Dr. Frankenstein himself gets, starts to get called those names. And so there definitely is this change where you realize, unquestionably, Dr. Frankenstein would say is the monster. Um, he starts to call himself the shadow of a human being, a skeleton. And, and, you know, so at some point there is this definite shift where you where you really do see, like, okay, it's this Dr. Frankenstein is absolutely the villain throughout. Um, and it's not because he's crazy, and it's not because this monster got an abnormal brain. Um, it's because he's a bad person. <laughs> yeah. He's a huge narcissist. Yeah. Uh, and, well, because and, I'm just going to interject quickly. Um, very early on, the, the first crime that the monster itself commits is it kills... Dr. Frankenstein's younger brother, youngest brother, and and the monster then frames the former maid, essentially, of the Frankenstein household, and Dr. Frankenstein comes back to town, realizes exactly what's happening. He's the only one that knows that the monster pretty obviously did this to get back at Frankenstein, and then basically says, oh, like, woe is me, I can't believe this is happening to my maid. And the maid is the one who's literally on trial and who literally gets condemned to death. And it's still, and again, this is where we start, the misery one-upsmanship. He says, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I can do nothing, and that makes me feel powerless. And that is really strange. And maybe if we're going to talk, to, talk about the subversion or the subversiveness that Mary Shelley talks about is this kind of fragile uh, male psyche of accomplishment. And if you don't get there, then you're willing to blame everybody else for your failures. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, I did not like old, old Dr. Frankenstein at all. And it really started with that moment when it's, his, it's literally his creation that destroys everything. And if we're talking about, this is a metaphor, which I know is not at all my forte, but you can think about, I don't know, somebody who maybe creates a very powerful weapon, like an atomic bomb, and having remorse about that, but being unable to stop it. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's some correlation there as well. But yeah, Dr. Frankenstein, huge narcissist, does nothing to yeah, get, get even with his sins. There's also the sense that, you know, the monster talks about how distant he is from any other, you know, he, he really is isolated completely um, just as, as an individual. And, and there's a sense that Dr. Frankenstein increasingly isolates himself more and more from any other. So there's, I think there's this other sense in which the more and more they become isolated just from any other human being, human interaction, they become less and less human themselves. And so, you know, more and more, um, by a, by a choice almost in the case of Dr. Frankenstein, he becomes, he literally becomes less human, um, as he isolates himself further and further from 
the other you know humans in his in his circle and yeah to the point where he becomes a shadow of a human being yeah i mean that's the one the, the few times that i feel like the hyperbolic language isn't isn't wrong i mean he is at that point sort of subhuman a skeleton a shadow etc so for sure i think that's a good place to go into our everyone's favorite segment rating systems Take a look, it's in a book, Rating Systems. Hi, welcome to Rating Systems. I'm your host, not your guest, John Love, with me as always, Brent Aldrich. And this time on Rating Systems, we have a gaggle of Minnesotans. Woo! Gaggle, gaggle, gaggle. (laughs) Uh, So on this segment, we like to uh, rate this book. So I'm going to start to my left. And move clockwise. So, Brent, uh, what do you got for reading on Frankenstein by Mary Shelley? That's a, that's actually a very hard one. It's um, thank you. Yep, thank you. Uh, it's so as you said, it is potentially the the OC sci sci fi. Yep, uh, that's where she lived. Well, by the way, I'm just gonna. I'm actually going to put a pin in rating systems. I realize this is unprecedented, but I have here the Bantam classic of Frankenstein, and I would just love to read the uh, whatever like uh, part-time intern summer job wrote the Mary Shelley bio in the front of the Bantam classic. Just listen to some of these doozies of sentences. Well, this one I can't. It's just a string of semicolons. Mary Shelley's life had many tragic elements. Period. New sentence. I'll tell you when I finish this sentence. Her mother died giving birth to Mary. Her half-sister committed suicide. Harriet Shelley, Percy's wife, drowned herself and her unborn child after he ran off with Mary. William Godwin disowned Mary and Shelley after the elopement, but, heavily in debt, recanted and came to them for money. Mary's first child died soon after its birth, and in 1822, Percy Shelley drowned in the Gulf of La Spieza when Mary was not quite 25, period. Later on, and this is the one that kills me, um, here's a sentence. I'll read two sentences to you. One night, following a contest to compose ghost stories, Mary conceived her masterpiece, Frankenstein. After Shelley's death, she continued to write. Now, you might ask, how did Mary Shelley continue to write after her death? Um, well, let's just get your reference straight here, Bantam Classics. Uh, we're referring to her husband, Mary Shelley, who hasn't been mentioned for sentences. And why would you ever refer to Mary by her first name, but her husband only by his last name? Anyway, that's been, uh, get a better writer for your bios, Bantam Classics. This sucks. I hate it. <laughs> anyway, um, so as I said, I never read this. It was it was actually strangely harder to read than I thought it would be, just because I had all these other preconceived ideas about Frankenstein in my head, and so it, it in some ways was totally unexpected. But um, you know, I'm just I'm gonna give this. Uh, uh, Oh, man, I was almost about to steal your rating tonight. <gasps> I was going to give it six out of seven likes. Highlights, highlights. 
six of his legs are in the circle. Uh, all right, let's move to the first of our gaggle of Minnesotans. What do you got? Rate this book. It's been years since I've read it. I, I have read it since high school. Okay. Oh. With the... First name, last name. Let's... No. You don't have to. <laughs> she lives in Germany. She's married now. She. It's probably fine. Her name's Ellen. Uh, um, Ellen, if you're out there. There's one lucky gentleman. <laughs> and we're back. I, I love it. I think it is really interesting how Dr. Frankenstein gets everything growing up and is terrible, and his monster gets nothing and also ends up terrible. And so it seems like a nature versus nurture thing, but everyone's fucked. Um, so it's one of the few books that I still have my high school copy with my notes written in it and my handwriting. Um, so I try to think of my ratings as like, will I keep it or will I give it away? Cool. Take my half-price books. And this one I've kept since 2001, which is 15 years for me. Cool. Follow-up question. Did you use the front of that book... Um, I mean, I know you wrote notes in it, but did you use a little bit of a diary and talk about this steamy makeout session with uh, Ellen there in Germany? If you're out there, we use live journal for them. And we're back. Great ratings. All right, the second of our gaggle of Minnesotans. How do you rate this book? So I guess I'm I'm confused. What's the what's the scale of rating? Yes. Like, not a 1 out of 10 thing? Here on rating systems, you are allowed to make up your own rating system. Okay. Well, I like the, the standard 1 through 10. And I would give it an 8 because I remember reading it-ish. And it got me an A. But it didn't motivate me to read the whole book as a high schooler. Wow. This is what, great, great ratings all around. Uh, I am going to not deviate from my standard method of rating books, but I am going to give just a little explanation. I don't know. This one for me was just a huge jump from reading, you know, very modern and contemporary, this time that we're in now in Minnesota, contemporary books. So some of the languages really just get, get, uh, I can't even speak. I I have no, I have literally no grounds to rate anything. Two out of two legs. I was going to go worse than that, but then I stumbled over my words, so... I apologize to everyone. Sorry, Mary Shelley. R.I.P. Mary Shelley, sorry, anybody that anybody's ever made out with. Uh, but also, you're welcome. <laughs> and we're back. This segment brought to you by Corell and Sweet Tea, the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip. Also, remember to spay into your pets and cut two of their legs off. Or remove them. You don't have to cut them off. And we're back. More than one way to remove a cat's legs. That's right. That's what they say. <laughs> Take a look. Rating <laughs> systems. Well, uh, there's just, uh, I want to say, first of all, thank you so much to our adoptive parents here at Bone Shaker Books, the coolest independent bookstore in the Twin Cities metro area. Thank you also to our friends at Art Shanty Projects, the other half of our adoptive parents. We love you. We love you. And with that, uh, 
oh, there's only one more segment that's called, let's pick the next book. In two weeks, we're going to read The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. But I have some questions about what we should read for next week. Here's some options. The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. It's uh, super new. She's a living uh, author. Um, it just won some awards. It sounds super good. Um, several people who stopped by our podcast said it would be an easy one to read in a, in a week, and it's great. The Fifth Season. The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin also sounds super relevant. I thought I saw it there. It might be a longer, it might be a little bit harder to get through in a week, but it's an option. Um, there is this one by Connie Willis called To Say Nothing of the Dog, which is a time comic time travel book, which might relate to the last one that we read. And I figured if we want to just breeze through something, we could read something like A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle, which is also kind of a classic of, of science fiction, but certainly quick to read. Anyone have any preference on that? I can show you the fifth season. I guess sit right here because I want to read it regardless. Well, uh, I love Wrinkle in Time. I would be happy to do that. It would be an easy read. Very sure. There's a good comic adaptation. That's very really honest and really yeah. Is that floating around? Could we get our hands on that? Yes, we have it here right now. Should we do Wrinkle in Time? Let's wrinkle some time. Next week we're wrinkling time with Madeline Langle. All right, awesome. And that leaves us with only one more thing to do that we're contractually obliged to do by our sponsor, Carolyn Sweet Tea. Thanks if we're back. Uh, another little thing called Wrapping It Out. Ready to freestyle rap? Just beatbox. Freestyle Whatever you want. Anything. Frankenstein? I'll start. We gotta beat this week, though. And it's only three minutes long. So we don't have to use all of it. But I'll repeat. Yeah, Frankenstein, happy Valentine's. Get those snakes away with your flutes. I don't give a hoot. If how many licks did they get the center of a tizzy roll pop? <laughs> sometimes I use a broom, sometimes I use a mop to clean our pot. It's on White Bear Lake. Let's see, uh, you can jump in any time because we have this beat on the beat box. Just point that out. Yo, 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 yo. Yep. Yo. Uh huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Frankenstein, I'm a Frank in time. My name's Frank and I've got the rhyme. I've got some limes and I've got whiskey, but that's not a margarita, uh, but I'm frisky. Uh, we took our shirts off. To do tattoos, it didn't work, we're working on it. Sorry. Bad rhyme. Sorry, universe. Yep. I'm a monster. Yep, yep, yep. Talking people from the future is pretty rad. It does, definitely doesn't make me sad. Yup. Can't wait till next time. And maybe I'll have a better rhyme. Woo! Yes! Yes! yes. Uh, let's, let's put a pin in it. Uh, or take a pin out of it. That's the first time, universe, that somebody has successfully rhymed the words time and rhyme, and it didn't seem stupid or forced. Who are you referring to, John? All of us, all the time. And all the rhymes. And all the limes. And all the slimes. And all the mines. And all the grimes, the singer from this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. 
Thanks for coming. Yep. I'm, I'm not, not done. done you. Put it back on. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not done. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. What happened? Uh, so, Dyson's our favorite time traveler. I've got a... I'm, I'm done. I should have quit earlier. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for coming. Graveler. See ya next time. Graveler is a Pokemon. <laughs> See ya, universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, and we're sorry. <laughs>